Today we turn to the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, It's a letter that was traditionally attributed to Paul, though most scholars now believe it was written after his time by one of his followers using his pseudonym. Not really important, but you'll hear me refer to the... You'll hear me refer to the writer um, throughout, so if you're wondering, that's, that's why. Just before our reading today, the writer has made the case for this diverse community of Christians in Ephesus to find their unity in Christ through their baptism. Now, the conversation turns towards what this united, common life looks like as it's lived out. You know, the nitty-gritty, everyday, moral, and ethical guidelines to this life. Which seems to be a pretty good place to turn as we bless our students today as they begin a new school year. But these are certainly not things only our children need to hear. In many ways, we adults need to be reminded of these practices even more so. Especially as today marks one year since the hateful, divisive, and violent events in Charlottesville. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the fourth chapter of Ephesians, beginning with the 25th verse. So then, putting away falsehood, let us all speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore be imitators of God. As beloved children, and live in love, as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Ancient Ephesus, the community to whom our letter is addressed, was a port city in ancient Greece on the Aegean Sea. Marie and I had the joy of visiting the ruins of this ancient city about five years ago now, and it is truly a delight if you ever have the opportunity to travel this way. Ephesus has some of the best preserved ruins of the ancient world, most notably the famous Library of Celsus. But also quite unique to Ephesus is the recent excavation of homes in the city. These homes give us a glimpse of everyday life in the ancient world, around the time of the New Testament. Something that you quickly realize seeing these homes was the diversity in Ephesus. That's diversity economically, but also socially and culturally. We saw homes with intricate stone mosaic floors and a number of other luxurious features 
But we were also able to see some of the immense poverty of this time. We could see the vast difference in style between the homes of Jewish and Gentile families as well. The early Christian community at Ephesus, we are sure, had folks from all of these various walks of life. Rich and poor, young and old, Jew and Gentile. And while this had its advantages for spreading the gospel, it also became quite difficult to unite them as one family, as one community. Just before our reading, the writer talks about our oneness in Christ through baptism, a unity that transcends any other cultural barrier. Now we are able to throw aside our old lives and live together in this new, common, baptized life in Christ. So in our reading today, the writer provides some ethical guidance on how they are to form their common life together in Christ. This passage is an often quoted one, but it's usually not quoted in its entirety, but rather little phrases from it, uh, like the perennial premarital advice of don't let the sun go down on your anger. And while this is fine and good advice, it has the effect of making this moral framework individualized. And that is not at all the hope of the writer here. These are not guidelines to make yourself a better person or even a more faithful Christian individually. But rather, all of these are for the purpose of building up the body, of building up the community together. There's been a popular hashtag on social media for some time now that I'm sure our young folks will know all about called hashtag squad goals, as in the goals for your squad. And it's used often with a picture or a tweet to illustrate something that you hope for your group of friends or maybe your team of things that you might want to achieve together. Sometimes this hashtag is used with a picture of friends wearing matching outfits But it's also used when describing a a great moment in a group of friends, or uh, maybe even on your favorite TV show. For the writer of Ephesians, our lesson today are his hashtag squad goals uh, for the Christian community in Ephesus, and really for the church today as well, his goals for the squad, the community of people who follow Christ. Now, the first of these goals or these moral imperatives for the community are to put away falsehood and, quite bluntly, to speak the truth. All of us who saw Liar, Liar, the Jim Carrey movie in the 90s, know the danger of always telling the truth at the expense of being rude or sharing confidential information or just TMI, too much information. But really what this is saying is not so much about never speaking a little fib or a little white lie to say that that casserole really did taste wonderful. This is about being truthful. About being truthful with one another. About being true to ourselves and accepting others' truths as well. This imperative to put away falsehood and to speak the truth to one another is followed by the reminder of our unity, that in Christ we are made members of one another. So we ought to put aside falsehood and speak the truth. 
It's a reminder that if we cannot speak the truth to one another, we also cannot speak the truth to ourselves. With this diverse group of people coming together with their common bond in Christ, surely they were at odds with one another on a number of things. Much like today with the polarization of our community that seems to be growing more and more. Notice the moral imperative given here isn't always agree, always get along, but rather speak the truth. It's okay to disagree. So long as you are truthful and accept or at the very least hear and respect someone else's truth. Marilyn McIntyre is a professor of literature and writing and about 10 years ago she was asked to give the prestigious Stone Lectures at Princeton Theological Seminary. The title of her lectures, which were turned into a book, was Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies. Her hope as a writer speaking to future pastors and leaders of the church was to reflect on what it means to be a good steward of language. Like the writer of Ephesians, she reflects that caring for language is a moral issue. Caring for one another is not entirely separable from caring for words, she says. Words are entrusted to us as equipment for our life together, to help us survive, guide, and nourish one another. Further, she claims that words, like any other life-sustaining resource, can be depleted, polluted, contaminated, eroded, and filled with artificial stimulants powerful words. Language and rhetoric rooted in the common truth we share in Christ was the core of this common life the writer hoped for for the Ephesians. But the passage goes on from this to show the inseparable link between language and behavior. Our reading goes on to talk about anger. Notice like earlier, he doesn't say Don't ever be angry. To say this would be impossible. It's human nature to get upset, to get frustrated. But he does talk about the role our frustration can can take in a community. It says, be angry, but do not sin. In other words, go ahead. Don't suppress your frustration. But also, don't let frustration or anger distance you from God. That is sin, turning away from God. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't dwell on it either. Seek to resolve your conflicts in a truthful way. The squad goals go on to describe work, saying that thieves need to stop stealing and instead work. But the purpose of this work is so that they will have something to give to those in need. Again, we see that all of this, all of these squad goals are about the building up of community, even and especially for those most in need, sharing what we have with others. While there can be disagreement, even frustration in this new life, there can be no evil talk, bitterness, malice, or wrath. Rather, everything spoken must be for the building up of one another and of Christ. 
Then the writer, in a way of essentially summing all of this up, says to be kind to one another. I love this phrase, be kind to one another, not just because it sums up a complicated and dense few verses before it. It's a simple command, be kind, but it's actually a pretty rare word used in the New Testament, but one I think the writer uses here quite intentionally. The Greek word for kind that's used here is krestoi, and you probably heard the writer's intended pun. It sounds an awful lot like Christ, Christos in Greek. It's a very intended pun. So this command to be kind to one another, to be Christos to one another, is really a command to be like Christ, to be kind to one another, be Christ to one another. Love unconditionally, give unconditionally, forgive unconditionally. Jesus, who spoke the truth in love, he certainly didn't hide his frustration and disagreements with others, particularly with the religious elite. But he did so in a way that always sought to build up, not break down. The writer of Ephesians reminds us that this long list of seemingly impossible squad goals are the way of Jesus and of our call to be Jesus to one another. Though we will struggle with anger and speaking the truth in love, we can trust in God's spirit at work in us, building us up with one another more and more into Christ's own image and likeness. So yes, we can seek to be Christ to each other. In these ways, we do what the writer says next. We imitate God. The Greek word used here is is from the word we use today, mimic. We mimic God. We live in love as God and Christ has loved us. And others know us by this love, and through this we may come to know Christ themselves. It seems to me that this can be the most powerful form of evangelism, of sharing the gospel so the church can do and to be Christ to others. That the church might embody Christ's love and share it with the world around us. Back in the 1960s, Father Peter Schultes was a priest on the south side of Chicago. And he did a lot of work with youth, but was also very active with the civil rights movement. He was looking for something for his youth choir to sing at an ecumenical service, that is, all all. a church community service that sought to bridge the racial divide that was growing in their community. He couldn't find anything that fit this purpose. So he wrote what will uh, be our next hymn that we'll sing in a moment, and he wrote this hymn in a single day, using a simple but beautiful message. They'll know we are Christians by our love. He was inspired, of course, by a verse from John's Gospel where Jesus says that they will know you are my own followers if you love one another. But I believe he was also inspired by a phrase that was used in the ancient world, probably in places like Ephesus. It was a phrase used by non-believers to describe members of the early church. Behold how they love one another. It was a strange love indeed, but a love that has changed the world. 
a love that is still truly needed, and a love that will continue to change and transform our broken world. So friends, as we go, may we speak the truth in love to one another, being good stewards of the words in which we speak to our neighbors. May we be kind to one another. May we be Christ to one another. And may we live in love together, always seeking to build each other up and lift up Christ's name. And may the world around us, suffering in a culture of polarization and hatred, may this world always know we are Christians by our love. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.